Here we go. My name is Michelle Simpson, and I would like to welcome you to Black Talk. Black Talk is the result of a collaboration between the Boulder County NAACP and KGNU. And for those of you who may be turning in for the first time, I want you to know that Black Talk is a program that centers Black voices, Black thought, and Black vision. And today we're going to center Black young people who are unhoused. And I would like to take a moment to thank my friend, Dr. James Hill, former principal of Boulder High School and current assistant superintendent of human resources in the Boulder Valley School District for planting one of the very essential seeds for today's program and today's conversation. So with that, I'd like to welcome our guests on today's Black Talk. So we have here Monty. Monty, say hello. How y'all doing? (laughs) We also have Kiana Gentry. Kiana. Hi, hello. Thank you for being here. We also have Brianna Bird and we also have Sydney Ray, both staff at Together. So, Sydney and Brianna, I'm going to really start with you. Sydney, as I understand it, you are a program manager. And, Brianna, your title is? I'm the Youth Leadership Development Coordinator. Could you tell us a little bit about what it is you do, kind of your role briefly at at Together? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, I work really closely with the youth, and um, what I work with them on is um, employment services. I focus on BIPOC engagement, and um, I also am starting to develop our peer support programming here. Got it. Got it. Thank you for that. How about you, Sydney? Yeah, um, so I'm the housing program manager with Together, so my role right now is to manage both of our housing programs. We have a 40-unit permanent supportive housing project in Boulder, and we also have our um, rapid rehousing program, which is scattered sites throughout the Boulder and Denver area. And so we work to house folks who are either exiting the foster care system or homelessness between the ages of 18 to 24. We provide a lot of life skills development and work pretty closely with Brianna to help develop our programming. Okay. Okay. Well, Monte, Kiana, again, thank you for being here. Monte, I'm going to start with you. Share a little bit of your background or your story, um, whatever you're comfortable with sharing. As I said, I'm so happy you decided to join us. And uh, again, whatever you're comfortable sharing, we are open to listening. Okay. Um, well, I'm 23. Um, I've been, I'm a, a, I'm an artist in many different aspects. Like what? Tell us a little bit more about your artistry. Um, so. Outside of, you know, just the, the regular, I make music and write songs of those things of nature. Um, I also do, I, I'm really good with my, my penmanship and, and, and calligraphy and just painting and art and different types of animation and those types of things. So I just, I'm kind of, I try to, I try to be as versatile as I can. No, it sounds like you're doing that. 
Zaman, yes. do you mind telling telling me where you're from? Me, um, well, that's kind of that's kind of funny you ask that. I'm 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 I like to call myself a summer person. Okay, okay. Um, I've been everywhere, and I've been everywhere for long periods of time, like across the country from L.A. all the way down to Georgia. Oh my gosh, you've covered a lot of territory. Yeah, yeah so I've I've been I've been everywhere. Um. But I say, if anything, I've been, I've been in, I think, California and Colorado the most. So if I had to be from somewhere, it'd be one of those two. One of those two. Okay. Yes, Thank you for that. Piana, yes, Piana, tell us a little bit about yourself, whatever it is you're comfortable sharing. Um, uh, I'm tw- sorry, I'm anxiety. So, um, I have, I'm 22. Um, uh. I was born in San Antonio, Texas, um, but I mainly lived down here in Colorado most of my life. Um, I don't know. I want to be probably like a film director or something. Nothing wrong with that. That sounds fabulous. What got you interested in film? Um, I just like, um, like screenplay writing and acting and, um, cinematography, um, in general. So. I mean, I'm a pretty visual person, so mm-hmm. I think that'd be an interesting career to pursue. Yeah, that's wonderful. So this is for everybody. So this is for you, Brianna. This is for you, Monty, Kiana, as well as you, Sydney. What do people get wrong? What do people get wrong about being black, young, and unhoused? Mm-hmm. Um- I think for me, I I don't know. I didn't like. I didn't do a lot. Like I didn't grow up in like the projects and heard. I I grew up around, um, like in the suburbs. So I think um, uh, I get like mistaken for like I'm I I grew up and and I just don't think like that's the oh. case with yeah. everybody. No, I understand what you're saying. I think, I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, Kiana, that people make an assumption. Yeah. Since you're black, you have a particular backstory. Mm-hmm. Okay. 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 Um, Anything think- that you think we get wrong? Well, just to start off, in my personal opinion, being black, young, and unhoused is the um, result of a, a dysfunctional household. Growing up in a dysfunctional household. Um, I know, as I've stated before, I've I've been everywhere. And I've seen from the suburbs to the projects and, and the gutter and whatever you would call it. But um, I don't think it's, it's, a, it's a better way to put it besides you get labeled and there's assumptions placed upon you by other uh by other people in society not even really other people it's society itself you well, get get you get labeled as certain things based off of your physical and your vernacular yeah, okay okay um, that i don't i don't think i don't think i think Kiana said it i think Kiana said it the best is people assume the worst or assume anything Mm-hmm. And it might, it might, it might not be that. Got it. No, that makes sense. So, Brianna, 
um, Sydney. Yeah. What are we talking about? So when we're talking about black, young, unhoused people, who are we talking about? In other words, what's the age range? Typically, so in terms of your work, who do you see? Who do you serve? Who do you provide resources to? So we provide resources at this location to the ages of like 18 to 24, I believe. And I believe the same at the source, which is our um, overnight shelter, Mm -hmm. day drop in. Um, Yeah. And I think uh, what these two said was perfect, I think, because I believe that our youth kind of get, I feel like they kind of slip through the cracks. Mm-hmm. And I had a conversation with Monty a while ago about something very similar. And um, he kind of said to me that uh, that their experience with homelessness is different than their white counterparts. And I was just going to ask that, what makes it different? And, and I want to hear from you, obviously, as somebody yeah. who's kind of working in this arena, but Monty and Kiana, um, Sydney, I'd love yeah. All of you. But yeah. Yeah. What's I, different? I I think and, I, and I'll let them speak because they can speak to it better than I can. But from what I observe working in this field is that there's a level of humanity that's just kind of inherent when someone who is white and housed is looking at someone who is white and unhoused. They see themselves in them. And because we're in this area mm-hmm. um, where there are more white folks, I think that they're more eager to give and to help when they feel like they're just helping someone who looks like them, who could have been them, who just happens to be down on their luck and aren't so generous. And and let me not say generous because I believe when it comes to our programming, I think people are generous across the board. But I think when it comes to individual interactions, like maybe seeing someone out on the street, I do think that they just kind of get stigmatized and they do make assumptions. They just believe that this person isn't trying hard enough or, you know, maybe like, you know, they're just looking for a handout or why don't they get up and get a job or, you know, just thinking the worst where I feel like they might have a little more compassion to someone who they look at and say, yeah, that could have been me. Got they it. Sister, they look like my brother, you mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Kiana, Monty, if either one of you have anything to say about that, what do you think distinguishes your experience from perhaps a, a white counterpart? What distinguishes your experience in terms of being unhoused from kind of some of your white peers? Where do you want to go? I can go. Okay. Um, oh, man, this comes with years of, of opinions and stuff like that. Okay, so... I'll do that. I want to hear more. Because <laughs> I, I, I've, I've been, I think, on almost every level of being unhoused. Mm-hmm. So, um, first thing I'll say is, um, it's community. Mm-hmm. The community there, there, it has to do with a lot with with community. Now, with white people, like Rihanna was saying, there's uh, there's more of a, a sort of a care between the housed white people and the unhoused white people, and that happens with a lot of people. A lot of races, I'll say, outside of being black people. Um, white people being homeless and those things of that nature. It's like you love who you who you look like. Mm, okay. Okay. 
it's like you love who you look like. And you now in black community, you don't really see a lot of that. Uh-huh. You might stop by and give 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 a homeless dude a cup, some change or a couple dollars just to you really, really to feel good about yourself for real. It's not necessarily for that person's progress. Now, as far as the opinions of white people on unhoused black people, make sure I get my words right. Um, it's more of a it's it you get looked at as the lesser. Like even if if I was sitting here homeless right now next to a homeless white man and a homeless Mexican dude or whatever. Jobs will be offered to that white man and that Mexican just because I look like I haven't tried yet. Mm, okay. Okay. So that's been your experience. That that's on on multiple levels um, of it. But it's it's more of a once society, like you said, there's a there's a stigma and there's a label that's put on the the black community and not just young, old, whatever. There's a stigma put on us. As that we're we're lazy and and we don't work for what we got and we're entitled and things of that nature. So when, from my personal experience, being um being unhoused is there, you get placed, you get you get a judgment placed on you before before anything, before emotion sets in, before oh this person looks down and that kind of thing. You get looked at like you haven't even put the work in for it. I understand. No, well, thank you. Kiana, do you have anything you want to share? Um, yeah, I, I, like, with my experience with, with it, like, I, I do agree, like, um, I really do believe that maybe, um, someone that is white might get, like, the more care, like, quicker and, um, like, um, stuff like that. I um, I know when like, um, like getting in shelters and stuff. I don't know. I've been in shelters where uh, I don't know. It just like I said, they they take priority, and and it's just it 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 be kind of fishy to be sometimes. Like, um, and then like just like the. The people that have been I've lived in the shelters and stuff with, um, just like like using the N word like and stuff that like it's normal mm-hmm. and staff not doing anything. I don't know. It's um, I I, I just say I'd, I'd have to agree with what's been said. Sorry, you don't like it. No, it's not good way. No, it's okay. You're doing great. You're doing great. Great. You know, Rihanna, Denise, you're the two kind of staff people here. What in your respective backgrounds has prepared you to work with unhoused youth? Uh, yeah, I can I can go. Um I I've worked with youth for a very long time. Um I worked in education for about 11 years before coming to work here together. And to be honest, 
I wasn't out like I don't know if I would have ever applied for a role like this working with unhoused youth until I experienced homelessness myself. So after working in the school system, um, I I wasn't being paid a lot. Um, and I also wasn't making great choices for my career advancement. I was just kind of staying around hoping things would change and right. took on some bills that I probably shouldn't have. And then things just didn't work out. Um, and so then I found myself sleeping in my car. Yeah, well. uh, and so when I learned about this job opportunity, I was like, okay, well, this is a great way for me to pay it forward. Um, but had I not experienced that, I probably just would have continued to work with youth in edu- like in, in an academic sense. I probably uh-huh. would never have chosen to do this, but I realized from personal experience, like ca- kind of, you know, maybe where I could help out. Um, I wasn't as young as as these folks are here when I experienced it, but I still realized like, hey, there's a need here. And I like, I kind of know what this is like. So it, it seemed like a good fit for me at the time. Makes sense. Makes yeah. sense. How about you, Sydney? Yeah. Um, so be- before moving to Colorado, like I've had probably about 12 years experience working in different aspects in the social services field. Mm-hmm. Um, can you hear me okay? Nothing. Yeah. Yeah. So um, after moving to Colorado, I saw the opportunity to work with Together and was just really excited and interested to be able to work with this age group. Um, yeah. In my experiences working with more of an adult population, a lot of folks that experience homelessness through adulthood didn't really have a lot of support or intervention in their earlier years. So I wanted to be able to provide that support and also just um, experiences I've had, like personal experience. Like I I have experienced a lot, never like necessarily on the street or anything, but I have been in situations where I've just been like couch to couch in a situation where staying with a friend that you know that you're not welcome, but you know, your days are numbered there and just kind of scrounging to try to find another place to stay for the next day. And, and like Brianna said, like that was in my older years. So I can't imagine what it's been like for the folks who are in our programs that have experienced that a lot of times from the age of 12 or even younger. So um, yeah, I just, it just felt like a great opportunity and also as as a person of color here too just because in boulder i don't really see a lot of black and i know like moving to colorado like black people go out of their way just to say hello because there's not many of us so yeah so i mean it just felt like a great opportunity to also offer some diversity and representation just because where things are in colorado um, people of color are overrepresented experiencing homelessness compared to at least within our organization, like with, we don't really represent diversity within our staff to reflect the diversity of the folks that we're working with in our programs. KGNU FM 88.5 Boulder. KGNU 1390 Denver. You are listening to Black Talk. Today, we are talking about the issue of Black unhoused youth, a topic that is little explored, but we're going to be learning more about it through the lens of two individuals for whom being unhoused is a portion of their lived experience. And we'll also be talking to two service providers who are connected to TOGETHER, 
the nonprofit that provides services to unhoused youth in the Boulder area. You know, it wasn't until very recently, and I'm kind of embarrassed to say this, but it wasn't until very recently when I heard the tail end of a radio program about the unhoused. Um, one of the guests stated so emphatically, because I just happened to walk in the room. I hadn't heard the whole program, but I walked in the room when one of the guests said that it's impossible to talk about homelessness without talking about race. Mm -hmm. And for whatever reason, I found myself really challenged by that and really thinking about that. And admittedly, it was that statement that got me thinking about the nexus between race and homelessness. Um, and I, I felt once I started doing some research and talking and, you know, just really moving through some of what's out there in terms of studies and so forth, you know, I really believe I should have put that together earlier. The fact that black people are, again, which I know, over-policed, you know, incarcerated at high rate and often receive harsher punishments. Yeah. Where would people land? <laughs> so, you know, as a result, it, you know, when you look at those things, you're going to have a larger number of Black people being unsheltered. I mean, people are who are homeless are more likely to end up in jail. Um, you get arrested for sitting on a sidewalk. So, again, I, I felt remiss in, in not having that information. I mean, that's why incarcerated people, as I understand it, are, what is it, 10 to 13 times more um, likely to end up in jail. And so then members of the general population. So question. So Together is located in Boulder, all right? How does that affect the services and resources you offer? Um, and I say that because I recognize being unhoused doesn't present in one way. And, and Kiana, you know, very articulately um, reminded us of that, that homelessness doesn't look one way. It doesn't look one way for, for Black youth, for example. But what is the depth or breadth, if you could tell us briefly, the services or resources you, you offer? So if I walk into together, I don't know if that's how it goes or you have to be referred, um, what happens? Yeah, I mean, it definitely depends on the program because like our housing programs and then also our um, QRTP residential facility, it does require referral. However, um, the source, which is our emergency shelter and drop-in center, um, as long as you are between the the ages of each program, like you, you're able to receive services, and also you have to have an ID. But um, you have to have an ID to be able to receive services at the source. But um, an ID, I would imagine having an identification card of some sort might be challenging. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's um, definitely a big barrier. Um, there are a lot of resources, like if, if someone were to come and didn't have an ID, like they would be connected to resources that could help them obtain those documents um, to be able to receive services. But a big part of our programming at Together is to view each person individually, but also take into consideration like their experiences that might have an impact on the, on what they've lived through and how they may view the world and how others may view them too. And from that, like if, if we have someone who is requesting therapy, but they're like, I really just want to meet with a black person, like we'll do everything that we can to help. Um, 
Yeah, I think I think everything Sydney said was great. And I also want to mention that at the source, um, I know we we talked about like not having an ID and how that can be a barrier. Well, um, but we we have a, a day drop in shelter. So if you don't have an ID, you can still come and eat and get connected to resources and take a shower and, you mm-hmm. know, talk to people on staff. So we and, and get some clothes like we still are able to offer things, but they're just not able to um be in shelter so they're just not able to have a bed and stay overnight um we 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 do what we can um and I know like for me and and I'm pretty sure for Sydney as well we try to prioritize our BIPOC engagement and making sure that our people of color who access our services do feel comfortable and um yeah I, I started a BIPOC group some months ago and it's on hiatus right now, but I'm hoping that we'll bring it back in the fall. But yeah, we we watched like some educational movies and had open discussion. We recently did a um, a screening of um, the documentary, This Is Not Who We Are. And I think that went really well. We had we had some youth come out and then we had an open discussion afterwards just about like what equity looks like, how we can, you know, make people feel more comfortable if they don't feel comfortable and and. If they do feel comfortable, how can we take it a step further and, you know, do a little bit more? Okay. Because it, it, I know just for me as someone who doesn't access these kinds of services and someone who's just living their life in Boulder and in Long Line, I, it, it's hard because I don't see a lot of people who look like us. It's difficult. And so I can only imagine what it feels like to, you know, to be a part of a program where you might be one of three or one of four people of color. Yeah. So we see that need and we know that that, that is important. No, Brianna, thank you for that. You know, Monty, Kiana, how are you finding Boulder? How do you find Boulder? Because Kiana, I know you said you grew up in San Antonio, am I correct? So you're from Texas originally. And Monty, yes, you are a traveler. You yes, know, ma'am. You, you've been many places. But yes, you said between, I think you said between California and Colorado, you might claim those as maybe home state. But how do yeah. you find, how are you finding Boulder? How how long have you been in Boulder? Uh, I've lived in Boulder. I think almost three years now. Oh, so it's been a while. It's Maybe been a, about two. you, Kiana. It might be two. Might be two. A year and a half. A year and a half. How are you all finding it? How are you finding Boulder? What are I, your thoughts? It's beautiful. Um, city. Um. Like like everybody's been, I just it'd be nice if it was more diverse. Um, yeah. um, it it kind of sucks because you know like Walmart. I love Walmart. They don't have a Walmart out here, and I don't know. Um, it'd be nice if it was just more accommodating to like. It'd be nice if it was more accommodating to like low income people and and everything. Um, yeah. but yeah, I mean and. Uh, I, some of the, some of the, like the other day, um, there's a man out in the alleyway screaming racial slurs and everything. So there is a, some of that, um, uh, some racism I see here sometimes. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry you had to hear that or deal with that. It, it's, yeah, I mean, uh, I guess can't control how people act I guess so um but yeah but at the same time knowing that that's not okay yeah it's yeah. not yeah but it's not okay 
How about you, Monty? How are you finding Boulder? You've been you've been in Boulder for three years, so tell been, about tell us been, about your your Boulder adventure. I say it's a bittersweet experience. Mm-hmm. Um, How do you say that? Um, so part of me feels like it's 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 peaceful, mm-hmm. you know. Um, the lack of diversity, I would say, makes it that way, because whenever you mix different different people and different ideas you get you get different strands of chaos and and things of that nature now while i do agree that it would be nice to see all to see a lot more diversity out here i've been places where it's a lot of diversity and diversity doesn't always help that's what i'll say now the other part of me is um it's too quiet like it's too peaceful it's it's too peaceful like Everybody, everybody loves, everybody loves peace and, and being able to, to walk in full strides or take baby steps in, in your own way, in their own way. Right. But I've always felt like in life, if there's not some type of challenge, bump in the road, anything of that nature or something that, that, that opposes your way of life then there can be no progress. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So I'm, I'm kind of, I'm kind of like, I like it, but you know, it's like, yeah, no. I agree. Yeah. You know, as I said, I, um, kind of came late to the party, but you know, as I've done some reading and had conversations and been learning and Rihanna has been a great teacher. Um, I find out that so many kind of black unhoused youth are finding themselves in systems. And when I say systems, whether we're talking about child protective services, whether we're talking about the legal system, criminal justice system, juvenile justice system, there's so many systems out there, but finding themselves in systems not built for them, just not built for them. And so I would like to ask you, and I realize you are part of all how is together different if you believe it is and if you don't believe it is i'm sure brianna and sydney can hear that and would appreciate the feedback well together is a i think it's it's a lot different than than the systems that we just named on the list as far as uh foster care and and juvenile systems and those things i've been in foster care so that's I I know I know to the, like the full extent of how that works out. Um, together is different in ways that most people wish they wish they had. There's there's a lot of people who wish they had a place to come to where it's like okay, we house you, and you can come ask us a bunch of questions that we can figure out the answers for. So like it's not necessarily holding your hand. But as far as I'm concerned right now, it's the best way to guide you in the right direction. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, whether or not you 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 take you make a commitment to that or not, it's it's from what I've seen and what I've what I've experienced, it, it's a great way. It points you in the right direction, and um, I will say, even though there is. I don't want to say a lack. There's not so much of a, there's like not so much of a diversity in race. 
there's a diversity in knowledge here. Okay. Everybody gives you something different. Everybody has something different to tell. Different programs, different, even you can take out the programs and there's still so much you can learn and, and come up with a game plan to do anything. Yeah. It's just about, it's just about whether or not you want to be stuck in the rut or make a commitment. So. Got it. No, well, thank you for sharing that, Monty. Kiana, anything you might want to add? Um, I, I agree with Monty saying, uh, it's, uh, so together, it's definitely a good program to like guide you into um a better position um in in your life and to to like advance your life like that um I I believe maybe the 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 people they might pick like to for this program um kind of be like because I uh, I have uh met a lot of like ungrateful. Uh, um, it's like, why would you not take this as an opportunity? You could be out in the street right now. Um, but like other than that, I mean, th this is a, a like a good program and everything. I feel like, um, yeah. I, no, that's great. No, that's great. You know, Monty, yeah, I've got a question for you. I'm an educator. So when we talk about various systems, let's talk about the education system. And I'd be really interested in your experience with it. So when we talk about education, um, I'm sure many listening to this program will, will think or wonder, oh, well, what you should do is, and it'll have something to do with taking an educational path or getting back on an educational path. Can you share if you're open to it or comfortable with it? Um, again, your experience within the educational system, since we're talking about systems and the systems that work for black youth and the systems that don't work for black youth um well i okay so i'll say that the core of it is the intention of the educational system uh -huh. and it's not always it well at least when i was in in, in school it wasn't always their intent to teach everybody it was more so just pass them on out the way and let's get the next ones in adding to that i would say it's the curriculum the curriculum wasn't meant for black youth or it, it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't meant for us to be taught or at least not for us to be taught the way it was taught in my experience there are teachers who would help you to make themselves look good and there were teachers that would help you so you can get out of their get out of their way. Monty, can you tell me in terms of schooling, um, if you're comfortable sharing, um, did you complete high school? Um, so funny story. Uh, my educational uh track record is uh I would say it's phenomenal. I've been everywhere on on the board. I've I've been retained and held back. But at the end of it, I have I now have my high school diploma and my GED. You know, there's a stigma. There's there's a there's a thing about there's a stereotype about black people. Black people don't like to read and, and they don't like to be smart and those types of things. Um, I was I was held back and told and told, no, you can't progress. 
you can't progress and, and move forward. And I kind of took that as, as like an insult. It sounds like you also took it as a challenge. Oh, for sure. I'm very, I'm very uh, <laughs> uh, uh, combative. Mm-hmm. I, <laughs> I don't, I don't like, I just probably like the worst things for me is I don't like being told no. Yeah. Yeah. No, I understand that. I understand that. How about you, Kiana, in terms of uh, the educational system? Anything you would like to uh, share with us about that and your your experience? Um, well, uh, I I have a high school diploma, but um, yeah, I I used to be in a like in a regular school, like a regular public school. Um, but I was on an IEP, okay. so I ended up having to transfer to a vocational school where is a lot more rules and it was strict. Um, and for our listeners who may not be familiar with um, an IEP, could you tell us a little bit more about that? I know that's like an individual education plan, if I'm correct. Yeah, I, how I see it is basically um, like an accommodations that yeah. um, like, like they might put you in a, in a different classroom um, or um, give you extra help and stuff um but like like i said i was i ended up transferring to a vocational school like a different school um and i uh i really feel like public schools um like how i see it is if you're not normal per se or like if like whether it's like mental illness or you're aggressive or um and they can't handle you i feel like the place you somewhere else so they don't ruin their reputation or anything (laughs) um so that's definitely where i felt um like that was happening um when i was like sitting in a room and they were like they're basically like we can't um accommodate like your mental health or um so we're gonna put you on a school that can't um so yeah i see you know, can we talk a bit about intersectionality? In other words, can we talk about Brianna, Sydney, Kiana, Monty? You know, in terms of your experiences, the, the statistics, a lot of the research seems to, at least in my in my humble opinion, focus in on gender, kind of gender identity, gender expansiveness, sexual orientation. Um, I believe that's a core theme in homelessness literature and research studies. And so I'm just curious about your particular experiences or if, in fact, this applies to your particular, you know, situation. I'm I'm really interested to know, you know, how gender, um, gender identity, gender expansiveness, sexual orientation, you know, if it if it plays a role and your experience of what that looks like. And and Kiana, I, I have to say, since so much of my work and research revolves around and, and prioritizes the mental health and wellness of Black girls and, and Black young women, I'm really interested in, in hearing from you, too, um, what that ends up looking like, how systems are supporting you as a young Black woman 
not supporting you as a young Black woman. And I'm also interested in hearing from you, Brianna and Sydney, how that plays into the picture that we're talking about, who's coming through the door, the services and resources that, you know, that are needed. So, you know, I was just asking about the correlation between, say, you know, kind of education and the education system and being unhoused. But I'm, I'm also interested in, again, kind of the who. You know, who are we talking about? I asked about age range and so forth, but who are we talking about? Because again, being Black is one aspect of, of who each and every one of us, at least who's part of today's conversation, part of who we are. But there are other aspects to who we are that also come into play and have some bearing on how we're in the world and how we're seen by the world. So I'm really interested in in kind of, in some ways, kind of deepening the conversation or filling out the picture a bit more. Sure. Um, I'll, I'll start. I can just uh, say some things briefly. Thanks, I know um, a majority of our population, um, <laughs> I believe, are they found their way to us because of like family disruption and, and also um, gender identity. So for, okay. for example, so their family not accepting them because of their chosen identity. Okay. I would say we have a really robust population who identifies as LGBTQ. And that includes Black unhoused youth as well. I, I am not sure. Um, I, I, I think so. And I only say that because our population is very small. We have a very small population who utilize who are um, BIPOC individuals. Mm-hmm. And so I do believe that there's some overlap, but I also believe that there might not be. And it's just because of the numbers. The whole- it's just because it's a very small pool. Um, Got it. In place. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Monty, Kiana, Sydney, anyone else want to say something about that? When it comes to gender, perhaps gender identity, gender expansiveness. Well, uh, my mom, like I do, did come from a pretty dysfunctional family. I will give my mom, like, one thing. She was pretty accepting of, um, I'm bisexual, so um, she's pretty accepting over that. I'd say um, the reason, uh, like, I've gotten kicked out and stuff was over mental health um, issues. Mm-hmm. And I just felt like um, my mom couldn't handle it, so. Got um, it. <laughs> like, so. Yeah. No, thanks for sharing that. No, thanks for sharing that. How about you, Monty? Anything you wanted to add? And as far as gender and um, being having to do with uh, black and or being uh, unhoused youth, uh-huh. um, I will say from what I've seen, I've seen women, I've seen homeless young women get more out of a program than say a young man or a gay young man. Why do you think that ends? Um, well, personally, I feel like it's because women run the world. 
women women have a have a have a superpower to wear not every time but in certain situations you get that pass because nobody knows it could be the worst thing when 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 a woman doesn't have help whether it's her help herself or help from somebody else it and Monty, you feel that I'm sorry to interrupt you. You feel that's true for young black women as well. Um, in certain situations, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, from what I've seen, as far as homeless black women and and things of that nature, um, you can get more. You can get. A, I've seen. I've seen. A, I've seen young black women get a lot more out of a social worker, or or somebody, a lawyer, or or a. a, a counselor from a from a shelter than per se uh, a young man based on just them being them okay. yes i'm a young black woman and i'm homeless i need help i don't know what to do i don't know where to go and i've seen a lot of young black women get find their way all just off of that sentence mm-hmm. Whereas, and that's been the case for young black men, mm-hmm. okay. Not all the time. I will and, say I've I've seen it happen, but it's not. It's it it occurs more with young black women. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, but I I think I think it just depends on where you're at and who you're dealing with. Um, when you're asking for help, because that I feel like that's a big that's a big thing too among, among um young black people is we're a lot we're we're too scared to ask for help. Right. I think help is is more of a, 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 a an ultimatum or a punishment than something that we need. You know, you said something, Monty, that I'd like everybody to respond to. We're kind of getting close to the hour, but I wanted to ask about adultification, the expectation that young black people are supposed to know certain things. Um, and how to get on their feet. Um, in other words, it's a standard that we don't always apply to other young people. So, um, again, you know, in the research uh, and also in, you know, kind of sociology and, and psychology and, and other circles of that nature, the term identif- uh, adultification comes up often when we talk about Black youth that somehow they are treated like adults when they're not, and the expectations we place on adults, we place on, again, Black youth. They're never seen as innocent. They're never seen as children. They're never seen as, again, um, adolescent um, or adolescents needing support, needing help. So I, I wanted to just say something about that, and I guess Brianna and, and Sydney, you know, to ask you about how that may or may not come up you know, with some of the youth you work with and Kiana and Monty, if you have any experiences or wanted to add to that, it's just something that that often arises in the work I do with young black women. And again, the expectations society places on them, sometimes families place it on them. Um, Yeah, I know. uh, I I feel like we do see it. And I and I. Sometimes I feel like we see it in our programming. Sometimes I feel like we see it in society and I feel like it just, I feel like it really comes from 
implicit bias. I think that a, a lot of people, white, black, or what, what other color, it doesn't matter. I feel like there's a stigma on around black people, black people who may appear to come from, you know, poverty, black people who may be experiencing homelessness. I, I don't think it matters what you attach to it. I think black people plus whatever the situation, I feel like there is a stigma. And I believe that you're right. I believe that it's, some of it is the adultification and it is stuff that we that we mentioned earlier, kind of the assumption that we should have this figured out. We should, you know, we should be doing better. We should have asked for help. We should have, we should have, we should have, you know, and, and I don't know why that is and where that comes from. But, I, but I would agree that I don't see it at the same rate with white counterparts. They could be in the exact same situation, but I don't think there's the same um, notion that, well, you should have, uh-huh. you know, and I, I think it happens sometimes, but I feel like people might be more willing to, you know, to kind of let go of that and lend a hand to help. Yeah. Uh, whereas I feel like it is harder. It, it is harder for people of color. And, and the adultification, I think, um, it, it, it really burns me up. It really does. It, really, it makes me mad because um, I grew up in Baltimore and I was still living in Baltimore around the time of Freddie Gray. when all of those all of the riots were happening and um it was just kind of like commonplace really for you know people would would call it wrong place wrong time you're in the wrong place you were at the wrong place and you were at at the wrong time and you got caught up in something you shouldn't have been caught up in when really it was you know a situation that could have been diffused might have been diffused if it was white counterparts but it wasn't and it was escalated and then ended up maybe even in a police brutality situation. I feel like there are a lot of different scenarios that can take place when people make the assumption that one, Black people should have this figured out, two, that they're older than they are. So we're not going to treat them with the same compassion as younger folks and, you know, so on and so forth. I feel like it just kind of spirals and things get escalated when when compassion isn't in the picture. Yeah. Now, well, thank you for that. Anyone else want to add? anything to that that question that I raised about Black youth often being treated in ways their white peers are not. I mean, we see that in educational systems all the time, you know, where Black kids are punished much more harshly for engaging in some of the same behaviors as their white counterparts, as their white peers. Um, and this thinking that somehow, um, you know, Black kids lack innocence or not allowed to be kids, are not allowed to be children. And so our expectations for them are very, very different. And uh, Brianna, I think you I think you put that very well. You know, we're getting close, as I said, to the end of the hour, and I want to make certain that Kiana and Monty, that you have last words, okay, that you have some last words. And so I'd really like to hear from the both of you anything that you didn't get a chance to say, anything you may want to share with our listeners. Kiana, I'm going to start with you. Is there anything? Um, well, I I believe this is a a very like really good pro- a podcast to to get out and everything. Um, it's pretty comforting. Um, like t- being able to talk. Um, and everything to um about um our experiences. Um, I just think uh I don't know. 
it's, I feel like it's not that hard. I mean, everyone's equal. We're all going to die. Like, I mean, just like be nice to, to each other, you know? And, uh, I, I don't know. Uh, Thank you. That's good. No, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. No wonderful words to live by. How about you, Monty? Uh, I'm going to just leave off on the word no is an opinionated word. Uh-huh. Especially being black. Because we get told no the most. I think fighting against the word no or the action of no is the best thing you can do. In in any way you you decide that is, um, so if it's if it's no you can't progress in this that and the third, you should progress even more. It's just about your commitment, and I feel like your commitment about uh your commitment about your life, how you want to live your life, should be should be the the platform that you stand on. But as I'm, I'm ha- other than that, I'm, I'm happy y'all had me on here. Well, and- well I've loved it. I've absolutely <laughs> loved it. Now, I, you know, and I want to um, just take this moment to thank you all. You know, Brianna and Sydney, who are staff members at Together, Monty, Kiana, I just for, you know, sharing your stories and sharing of yourselves and, and being so vulnerable. Um, I'd like to thank you for coming on Black Talk and educating our listeners and me about Black unhoused youth. You know, thank you for telling us, Brianna and and Sydney, about Together, what you do and how you do it. Um, I keep saying we're coming to the end, but a question I do have for you, Brianna, and you, Sydney. Does Together work with volunteers and those interested in supporting your work? So if we get questions or people reach out or what have you, um, is that something you do, don't do? because if so, we can leave some information on the website. Yes, absolutely. We actually have a volunteer manager who helps coordinate um, any needs that we have within our programs and helps find people who are interested in volunteering and matching them with the most appropriate um, opportunities we have available. So, yeah, if if anyone is interested in volunteering, um, we can send an email. You know, Sydney, why don't you send that to me? And then I will place it on the KGNU website. So... You know, any listeners who may be interested in reaching out or finding out how they can support the work that Together does uh, mm-hmm. will know where to turn. But once again, I cannot tell you just how appreciative I am for having learned so much about Black unhoused youth and um, just hearing the voices of Monty and Kiana and Brianna and Sydney learning more about the work that you're doing um, at Together. So thank you so so much. Thanks, everybody. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to today's Black Talk. We have explored the topic of Black unhoused youth and tried to look at some of the correlations between education and the justice systems. We've tried to take a look at Black youth in the child welfare system and looking at numerous, numerous systems that are supposed to support unhoused youth. But we've also learned that these systems that Black youth are coming out of or entering are systems that were never built for them. 
And so when we look at housing insecurity, we need to look at race. We can't talk about housing insecurity. We cannot talk about unhoused youth. We cannot talk about unhoused adults, for that matter, without doing a serious and deep exploration and examination of the ways in which race intersects with all of the other issues that affect individuals who find themselves unsheltered. We look forward to having you back next month, second Thursday at 8.32 a.m. And again, thank you for listening.